Good morning, Ray. Good morning. All right. We're going to start right now. This is going to run this morning between 11 and 12. So I want you to just relax, have fun with it. And uh, we're going to go in three and two and one. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. Weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Folks, we have a new segment where we're going to speak with uh, retired detective law enforcement. He's also an author of the book Thrill Killers, Raymond Pigatori. Ray, I want to start off with um, the other night, no confidence vote taken by the Providence Police uh, in, in tremendous support in uh, incredible numbers. This was not a divided police force, but no confidence vote taken against uh, Public Safety Commissioner Stephen Perry and also Providence Mayor Jorge Alorza. All of this, the fallout from the situation that happened with the uh, two Providence police officers and and uh, you had a Providence firefighter who was uh, charging them with racial profiling. If you could um, start us off with how significant is force bands together and they offer a no confidence vote starting off with uh, about the mayor well john it's always good when the police uh union themselves stick together uh and it shows the unity of their brothers and sisters um with that incident that occurred uh, and i think with people putting the cart before the horse and not getting all the facts uh vetted out uh in a timely fashion and then people making statements against the police officers, you know, it, it really, it really stands out in my mind that here they are being thrown under the bus and saying, you know, you guys did wrong. Well, let's hear what the investigation has to say and let the facts do the talking, not, not people's opinion. And as a result, like, you know, the police officers were fed up with not having the support of the administration and uh, that, that's why I believe they took that vote. And what type of thing sometimes can happen? You know, we do hear about it sometimes in other cities. Uh, haven't had anything like that that I can think of right now around here. But it shows a lot of turmoil. What then can be um, some of the results? It obviously, I think, Ray, would have been worse for the police officers if they had failed in that because then it would have showed divided. But overwhelming support. What are some of the things that then happen from here on in? Is this where maybe we now could start to see the, the you know, the blue flu, the blue, the, the, the police starting to call out in shifts to send a message that they're unhappy with the way things are going? Well, I think the first message they sent was to the uh, superintendent and to the mayor and to the council person that they are going to stand together and hopefully some positive dialogue will come out of this. Um, you know, you, you hate to see that drastic measures take effect, uh, such as the blue flu. Uh, you know, we just don't want to see that. Uh, it does no good for the morale of the police department or, or to the citizens of uh, Providence. So hopefully positive dialect will come about and changes may take place because of this. Hopefully they will. Folks, again, we're speaking with um, law enforcement official Raymond Picatori. Um, on the John DePietro show. And Ray, the thing about this is I I sympathize with the police. Were you surprised they took the no confidence vote in Public Safety Commissioner Stephen Perry? I mean, here he is, former head of the Rhode Island State Police, but police certainly feel they got the short end of the stick with that investigation where you had the firefighter that was claiming racial profiling. We learned since then, you know, with the body cam footage that 
that they had reasonable expectation to have their guns drawn as they were approaching a potential armed suspect. Based on your experience, um, did you see anything there with what we've learned with the body cam footage that, that officers should have done anything differently? Commissioner Perry couldn't come up with anything. I was on that call where, you know, you, your report of somebody that had been an attempted robbery of uh, someone that, you know, showed a weapon. They were in a red vehicle. The witness then pointed and said that that might be the vehicle with two people. There was a curfew at, at the time, two nights before it had been the riot. Providence police did. That is true. They did approach the vehicle with uh, guns drawn. But Ray, if you, if a police officer hears that there is a suspect that they've already, they have a weapon, attempted robbery, would officers approach without their weapons drawn? Officers would not approach, uh, especially in this time, everybody's hypervigilant about safety. And to just walk up to a random car that they do not know who is in that vehicle at the time, um, that would not, in my opinion, been the prudent thing to do. I mean, these officers certainly had the training um to how to approach on a felony car stop, which is the way they were conducting it. And, and again, in my opinion, they did everything in the right. Uh, they searched the vehicle. They identified who was in it. Uh, I, I saw the, the video footage like everyone else. And, and in my opinion, they, they did the right thing. And what about the no confidence vote against public safety, Christian Stephen Perry? I mean, that is, um, what, what is that? say to him and as much as some people ray may not think it's or they don't understand the impact but i i don't think that that's something that he's happy about of having that he has to deal with i would say that no administrator wants to have their personnel vote against them and say we don't have the confidence in you um he has to come into work today and say well how do i how do i rebuild the confidence that these people need so I can lead this department as a, as the figurehead that he is. And again, the, the men and women of the Providence police department do a tremendous job. Um, they, they want to go out, they want to protect people, uh, do everything that they possibly can to help the people in the community. And when they get chastised um, before all the facts are, are put to light, you know, it's not, it's not a, a good mindset to go to work every day. People go to work saying, why should I go out of my way? Why should I do the extra when there's no support at the top? You know, Ray, and it's, it's, it's funny. Could you think, is it as simple as once the facts came out, the mayor and the head of the city council, Sweden Matos, uh, to me, it certainly seems as though they owe an apology to uh, Providence police because Listen, that was, that was a turbulent situation. I was at that protest. Word started to spread. The, the initial story that was told was, was chilling, which was that was a uh, firefighter of color. Was, he told the story. He was just sitting in front of the fire station and in his uniform. And then two, two police officers come up, guns drawn, almost as – and, you know, it sounded as if simply because, hey, there's a person of color sitting in that car. We then found out that they – and we saw the body cam footage, as you as you referenced, that, you know, they were following up on a legitimate armed robbery. Uh, it, it all kind of came into picture. But do you think is it is it really 
almost come down to that, that the police and I, I would tend to side with the police. I think they are owed an apology, Ray, in this situation. And I, and I understand the, the, the term apology, but the likelihood of that coming about, uh, I would say they would express it as they would have to have meaningful dialogue. But I don't believe the word I, I apologize is not forthcoming. And, it's, and especially police departments or paramilitary organizations, you're never going to hear, uh, you know, let's reference to a, a, a Marine colonel apologizing to a, a subordinate. That's, that just doesn't happen. But you can have dialect to say from this point on, I understand what had transpired. This is the way we're going to handle things. And, and hopefully the meaningful dialect will come about. But do I, do I see an apology coming about? I, I really don't. But again, if they do have the dialect, that, that's, that's going to be taken a long way. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show with me, law enforcement expert, Ravid Pigatori. Uh, coming up, we are going to talk about the uh, police chiefs of Rhode Island announced a new 20 for 20 and also the investigation into that NASCAR noose. The Columbus statue is down but not before you had uh, 100 police were guarding it the other night. And then also there is a development with the, uh, the so-called thrill killers and the, uh, the gunmen regarding Amy shooting Jason Burgesson. It's all ahead right here on the John DePietro show. You're listening to the John DePietro show folks with me is our law enforcement expert, retired detective Raymond Picatori, also author of the book thrill killers, Ray, the Providence, um, the excuse me, the Rhode Island State Police Chiefs, because of, uh, you know, the changes that are going on right now, people are demanding changes, defund the police. They did come out with what they're calling um, some legislation, some changes they want to make called 20 for 20. And I guess it's it's 20 different things that they are open to maybe need to be tightened up, reinforced uh, since this is, uh, you know, 2020. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that, and um, and what stands out to you that that maybe is something that has been needed for some time? Well, I, I, I appreciate the fact that the police chiefs got together, sat down, and discussed the dynamics of the events that are unfolding on a you know second by second basis as in society. They addressed some of the needs that they believed were occurring. With a plan, and hopefully with training, with uh, input from different organizations, the police can now uh, have some type of um, blueprint that they, they can show their officers that this is what needs to be done and this is how we're going to react. But I don't think it should be something that's going to be – it should be something that has like a, a, a moving type wave that it can be changed along the way uh, to kind of help out situations that we're not even going to be aware of until they happen years down the line. Things are always going to be changing. So we, they have to be flexible, and hopefully this is a start in the right direction. Police work has always been, um, you know, it's been a tough row for a lot of officers. Uh, you're given a set of rules and regulations that govern your daily operation. And now suddenly that book that you were handed when you first came on and then with the uh, daily monthly trainings that you receive, they keep changing. Things change along the way. And then they change for the good 
and hopefully people will appreciate what the treat the police are trying to do. So. Right, right. Also, there's a talk that Governor Mundo announced on Monday that the state police now she wants to make sure the state police have uh, body cams. Um, what, 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 what a body cam procedure? I, I really view that is. As we saw, like with Providence, I think it actually benefits the police officer because so many times in this day and age, if, if you don't have the footage, everyone has these cameras. But sometimes we get things that are incomplete or you get a different angle. Um, do you see body cams as something that actually I, I don't know what is the exact measure for it, but I think it actually benefits the law enforcement officer because it's it can become their witness as to maybe things did not go down the way you know the person i think that that providence police situation with the firefighters a perfect example his version of events and then the body cam did not match up at all the police version with the body cam matched up but what is your thought about body cams well a body cam to me is another great tool in your toolbox you go to work you're you're given certain uh, things that you carry with you all day long. And this is just one more thing in that toolbox to help people out. Um, yes, would there be aversions along the way from older police officers who said, we never carried those back in a day. Well, they those days are gone. It's the new police that have to move forward. So if that's what you do every day is to go out, you know, it, it can do wonders. It can it can refute somebody's statement that said that uh, someone was acting inappropriate or somebody could make a spontaneous utterance when you arrest somebody. So it, I personally see it as a great tool for the, the police officers. Ray, do you think right now in this climate, the police chiefs were pressured to come up with some kind of a list if they had just come back and said you know we can't think of anything that we're going to revise it, as much as listen what happened happened in minneapolis some of these things are happening in other places uh fortunately they're not happening here in rhode island but it seems like it, there's just pressure all across the board that people have to offer some kind of implementation of changes i can see that the police chiefs would have to reflect on what it what was going to be needed to make things move in a positive direction, because right now this this country as a whole, uh, it is like every day it's like what what what's next? What 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 are people going to disagree about now? And for the police chiefs to get together and say, listen, we recognize that things are happening and and people. Uh, don't understand the true in- intricacies of police work. Let us let us spell out different things that may help the community understand what we do in a better light. And I, I see that there's a uh, talk that of having social workers or, or maybe right along with police departments or maybe turn this policing more to a social work type status. But that's good. That's another tool. But that's never going to replace police officers on the street. Those are what are needed day in and day out to protect the community. But, so the, the police chiefs can get together and it's good. Collectively, they can, you know, there's 39 cities and towns and you can have uh, different opinions across the board. And hopefully they can come down and say, hey, listen, as a group, we support, say, X, Y and Z. 
and let's move forward with that plan. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. With us is law enforcement expert Raymond Vigatori. Ray, a uh, high-profile situation, you had a NASCAR driver where he claimed that someone had left a noose in his garage. Now, we've learned since then exactly what it was he was referring to. But in the investigation, 15 FBI agents were sent down to NASCAR to investigate that. What type, what, what goes into an investigation like that? Because um, they, they, they did get to the, the root of the whole thing. But what are some of the things that they were probably looking at in order to come to the conclusion that they did? Well, and I believe in uh, uh, a setting like the access to these garages, it's not just uh, the public that's going to be able to go in there. I'm sure they have heightened security measures uh, that were enforced years ago where, you know, they might have scanning cards that they have to be scanned in, scanned out. Um, So just not anybody can walk into these garages. And for 15 FBI agents to go down there on this high profile case, they did their due diligence. They presented the facts and said, you know, what they reported that in their estimation, it was not what was perceived as what was reported. They presented the facts to the people. And that's what speaks volumes, the facts, not opinions of facts. And something like that type of investigation, do they want to start with, uh, you know, who has access to it? How long has it been here? Uh, Because it sounds like they were very, you know, they they suddenly got response to everything involved with it. Anyone who may have access, background, anything like that. Are those the types of things that go into that type of investigation? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. They'll they'll get they'll be able to tell you on uh, any given day at any given time who was in that garage, why that person basically was in the garage. And again, they presented facts that they brought back and said that this investigation led them to, to determine if that wasn't uh, a noose per se. It was something to raise and lower a garage door, you know, something to grab onto. You know, and will, will that uh, suffice for the, the people that were calling it otherwise that's that, you know, that's on them, you know, but the FBI did do their due diligence, did investigate, and came back with the facts. Ray, the, uh, the other night, uh, well, the Christopher Columbus statue has now been removed from Providence uh, right there at Elmwood Avenue Reservoir. But the other night, there was rumor that there were people that were going to try to dismantle it. 100 total between uh, police, Providence police and state police. There were 100. They were assembled there because it was circulating online that there were protesters that were going to go down there and they were going to try to remove the Christopher Columbus statue, uh, destroy it, knock it down. The 100 of the there, take us through what were, like, what, what was their mission? What are their orders? What type of, um, you know, equipment and protection and uniform do they have? Because they were potentially, as we've seen around the country, these become seen in Washington, D.C., uh, the West Coast, unruly mobs with ropes and so forth, that they, they are adamant about trying to remove some of these statues and monuments, Ray Pigatori. Well, 
again, the police officers would be on hyper vigilant alert uh, to anything that's going on. You would have probably unmocked, I mean, uh, unmocked and uh, not in uniform uh, officers. Uh, you would have officers probably dressed up in uh, riot gear. Uh, what I could see that wanted to be done was a peaceful, uh, a peace, a peaceful negotiation with the the head of the protesters to let it not digress into something that would turn into a Seattle or a Washington D.C. or any other given spot around. Uh, now, if people wanted to talk about the Christopher Columbus statue, that's fine. If they wanted it out of there, you know, that's their right that they can express that they want it out of there, you know. But to destroy it, just randomly to destroy it, I, the last I knew, there are rules and regulations and, and laws on the books of the state of Rhode Island that said, you know, if you destroy a statue, you know, it's desecration like that teacher was charged. It's desecration of a of a, of a monument. And there are charges to that. But just to sit back and say, you know, that's freedom of speech and knock it down. That, that's ludicrous. So these officers were there. They had a job at task. Their job was to protect both the statue. They were also to protect each other. The public that are out there from the peaceful protesters that just wanted to see what was going on. And then from the, the agitators that they needed to, you know, in, let them know. There is a law enforcement presence, and we're not going to stand by and just literally, uh, readily let you do what you think you want to do. You know, it's interesting you say that, Ray, because from what we understand, the uh, protesters, they back down because the show of force was a deterrent. If you are the commander there, um, I think that's interesting you mentioned you want to get a dialogue. So is that maybe you want to establish, uh, even though it may be, seem like an unruly mob, Who's really like the leader? Who are they? Uh, get some talk going. Get their name uh, if, if they'll give it to you. But try to find out their background. And then if something goes wrong, basically, it sounds like trying to negotiate with them of this is not something that you want to do. You know, that there's going to be a penalty here. Um, I think it's interesting because as much as it was downplayed, that was actually effective police work that by their presence there and talking, they, whatever word you want to say, either persuaded or discouraged or intimidated, but those protesters left, they did have ropes and hammers and equipment. Their plan was to dismantle and destroy that Christopher Columbus statue. I want to give credit to, to both the police and to the protesters for not taking it over to the extreme and, and letting it get out of hand. So there was that dialogue, whether it was just a, uh, a visual dialogue or, or verbally spoken. There was you know, an understanding amongst the two that this is what we're here for. You're here to protest it. But at this point, uh, let, let's go to a peaceful resolution here. We'll remove it. Do I ever see that statue coming back anyplace else? No, it's a statue. You know, it's representing Christopher Columbus. You know, the Italian population could have another meaning right. of that. But that, getting back to that, that was not demolished. The police took their stance and, you know, hopefully further dialogue is taking place as we speak now of, hey, listen, we can we can have a happy medium. 
but we can't have uh, unlawful uh, acts of uh, violence out there. It just, it just, we can't tolerate it. And Ray, in these situations, you know, I did speak with one police officer who said, um, you know, they're trying to, when they're in a mob situation like that, whether it's a, a protest and they get loud, and they're screaming at the police, they're all trying to keep each other calm because, let's face it, things get heated. The, the officers are, as you say, kind of hyped up a little bit. And one officer said what you want to avoid is somebody could, you know, hit someone, throw a rock, and then that's how these things can suddenly a melee breaks out and it just kind of gets out of control. Right, right. It's officers protecting officers. It's, if something's heard crashing or something's observed, uh, an officer getting attacked, like you said, we're going to go to that officer's assistance. That could escalate that into a full-blown riot because now you've got protesters going to the assistance of their person and it just, nothing good's coming out of it. Nothing is good. Now, folks, and as we can see countrywide, nothing good is coming out of these protests no. of violence you know blur the burning the looting you know that's that's not a civil protest no there are there are ways to do those things and right now our our police personnel are not being utilized to uh they're being utilized as like uh to protect things uh and it's like the police against the world and you don't want that we want to work harmoniously with all members of society we don't want to be the us against them. That mentality is long gone. That's, you know, the police practices of the 1930s. You know, we were in 2020. Let's let's sit down. Let's talk. No one no one else should have to get hurt. And we're going to correct the ways that will prevent that in the future. I'm not saying that things aren't going to happen. Things happen every day that are out of control. You know, there are we've all heard it. There are bad people on police departments and there are bad people in society, you know, it just, it happens. And I'm not throwing it out lightly saying it just happens. It's, you know, those people are dealt with. That's why we have laws, you know, so if a police officer breaks the law, he's arrested just like the, the anybody else. He's, he's allowed, you know, a jury of his peers. So he, you know, and they're out there, they're, they're caught, they're tried, they're convicted, they're put in jail. Police officers go to jail all the time, yep. just like anybody else. And Ray, we've, um, and again, folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show with me, law enforcement expert, Raymond Picatori. Ray, we're also seeing some of the footage that I don't think it plays enough. We, you see it online, but you see officers standing there. They have a line, and they're guarding to make sure no one's going to go past that. And you have these certain protesters, agitators, and they stand there, and they are swearing at them, and they're pointing at them, and they're insulting them. What type of training do, do the police officers go through that they, they it, it reminds me of like the, the guards at Buckingham Palace. They don't show emotion. Uh, some of the uh, it's, it's atrocious to watch the flashing lights in their faces and their eyes. But what type of training goes goes through with that? And what's going through the officer's mind that he does not crack and suddenly, boom, just start to, you know, take out his club or whatever and start going after the uh, the agitator? Well, the police officers do maintain they're human. They're hearing these words thrown at them. However, they're professionals, and that's what they're trained to do. There is training. Uh, there's training all across the board um, on how to handle different situations, just like uh, if uh, 
uh, a hostage negotiator is taught how to, you know, talk people away from doing things. There are uh, SWAT teams that are out there. There's all different units that go through extensive training on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis. And, and officers are trained, hopefully trained, uh, in the proper way on how to put up that shield around them. And when I say shield, not, not in a physical way, but in a mental way, to block out the rhetoric that's going on and then to do their job as the professionals that, that they are. They were sworn to uphold the law not to become part of this unruly mob. And, you know, the, the, it's a tough thing to be a police officer in today's day and age. Now, Ray, finally, um, it sounds like uh, the families of Amy Shoot, Jason Burgesson, um, as much as it's been painful for them, it sounds as though we have word that Gregory Floyd will not receive parole. Is that correct? That's uh, that's the word I got. And, um, you know, it's a tremendous, tremendous uh, weight off of all of our shoulders, both uh, the families and the uh, you know law enforcement personnel that work that case, the, the attorney general's office. It's a tremendous weight. Um you know, and ho- this hopefully this is the last words of uh, that name will ever be spoken. Uh, you know, let him go and go off into the dust to never be heard from again. But it, it was um, a trying time for the family to have to sit back and hear that here is a murderer, an executioner asking for compassion to be re- released. It's just it's mind boggling. Yeah, all due to the uh, the virus. And Ray, just finally, you know, all these people that talk about defund the police uh, and send a social worker. Can you imagine sending a social worker to deal with those those thrill killers that you had to deal with and uh, charge and arrest with the uh, the murder of those two innocent people? This is uh, we have you you dealt with situations that, you know, that is just they're not a time for a social worker when you deal with some of these individuals. Social workers have their place in life. Police officers have their place um, together. They'll work. But when something of a dynamic such as a, a murder is transpiring and people have to be interviewed and arrests have to be affected, uh, the social workers could take a, uh, a backseat until the scene is addressed and then. But to interview uh, a suspect, a murderer, and look someone in the eyes, who calmly states that he just shot two young victims randomly. Um, uh, is that is that what a social worker is out there for? Are you going to talk nice to this person and say, you know, we understand your, your childhood may not have been the most perfect and these are the reasons you did things? Absolutely not. You know what? Let the police do their work and do it properly, do it as a professional that they were, and, and move forward. Make the arrest. Prosecute, convict it, send them to jail. And that's where you want to get help. Go get it in prison afterwards. Folks, he is our law enforcement expert, Raymond Pigatori. Ray, excellent job. Stay safe and we'll talk to you again. Thank you. Bye.